Newsbreak Talk this afternoon. It's another edition of Cutting Edge Current Affairs with me, Tariya Sharif Ashad. Welcome to the program. Today, I'm going to give you the program. It's yours, so you get to talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's open lines today on Newsbreak Talk. I do have an agenda here, some of the hot stories, hot topics that have dominated the week. We'll throw them about, dissect them, and you are welcome to give us your thoughts. And you can call us 089-310-8789. You can voice note us 071-613-7803. Um, you can text us as well on that WhatsApp line. Whatever you want to talk about today, please feel free to give us a call, give us a text, and let us know what your thoughts are. It's how we get to gauge your sentiment, your uh, perception of the world around you. And also, it's a nice way for me to understand what you want to talk about. So let's take the conversation forward. You get to decide and dominate the agenda with whatever you'd like to put forward. And I'll just, from time to time, tell you about the stories that have made headlines across the week. But I think the big one was that the Itaquini acting mayor in Durban, Fauzi Apir, says that the bottled water which he drank at the city council's meeting earlier this week was allegedly laced with paraffin. Peer was rushed to hospital for treatment. Mayor Zandila Gomede has been placed on 30 days forced to leave after being arrested on a charge of corruption concerning tenders. Peer says the bottled water has been taken in for testing. It, it was like paraffin and uh, the repercussion of the paraffin was it, it actually inflamed my entire mouth. It inflamed my mouth for the last two days. I could not eat very well. And it's still very inflamed, the inside of my mouth. Also, I must thank City Hospital for immediately giving me uh, a treatment where charcoal was um, put into me and um, um, orally, and, and that, I believe, helps to saturate if there's any element of, of poison uh, that is detected in the body. So that was done very quickly. And um, if I hadn't gone there earlier, I suppose it, um, it could have been worse. But uh, thus far, we are waiting for the results of the water. And also, uh, we have cameras. I uh, want to look at the footages as to who placed the water and which company it was. Also, there's a possibility of some companies giving you expired water. So we shouldn't rule out that as well. So all that will be taken into consideration. But Acting Mayor, you and I both know that the situation in the Etiquine municipality is very volatile at the moment with the political developments, the mayor being uh, put on special leave. Are you scared uh, of actually uh, taking this task going forward? I don't think anyone can scare me. I will do everything in my power as leadership to run the city very well. The city for the last two years in Amlazi has been suffering this waste removal. Nothing will deter me. I'm very, very strong. And in fact, I will work even harder. I'm a servant of the community and I will work for them. There you go. So that was Itagweni acting mayor, Fauzi Apir. They're talking to the SABC's uh, Simpio Makanya there in an interview exclusive one. And this was done at Amlazi a short while ago. Um, of course, Itagweni acting mayor, Fauzi Apir, earlier this week, um, there was you know, a great sort of um, 
I think Ruckus raised about the fact that the water she was to drink was laced with paraffin. She is saying that, um, according to her, she says that the bottle of water that she drank at the city council meeting was allegedly laced with paraffin. Why it can't be confirmed just yet is because that uh, bottle of water has been taken in for testing. And uh, needless to say, it's caused a great deal of, I think, chaos within the uh, city council there. And... I think the question being put forward to her by many was that it comes after a time of great contestation, specifically within the city council after Mayor Zandele Gomeda has been placed on 30 days forced leave after being arrested on a charge of corruption concerning tenders. question asked to the um, acting Itakweni mayor was taking all of this into account in this uh, hotly contested um, you know, position she holds. Is she concerned? Is she afraid? And she says she's not afraid. She, in fact, wants to serve her constituency and the people of Itakweni. So that is the conversation coming through. I think the first official bit of information coming through from Mayor herself, Deputy, uh, acting Mayor herself. So I'd love to know your thoughts on it. And uh, I know there's been a lot of support coming through for acting Mayor Fauzi Apir. And a great deal of, I think, um, you know, questions raised about the state of that city council. I'd love to know your thoughts on it. You can call me. It's 089-310-8789. And while we wait for you to continue to talk to us and, and set the agenda as to what we should be focusing on, uh, I'll just take you through some of the very important stories that have dominated headlines this week. And one of them, I think one very close to your heart, and I know this gets you talking a lot. So, uh, Verla Mother, who dumped her newborn baby in a bin in the roadside at Verlum, north of Durban, has escaped jail time. The 31-year-old was recently sentenced to six years imprisonment, wholly suspended for five years on condition that she is not convicted of the same crime at the Verlum Magistrates Court. She pleaded guilty to attempted murder in April this year. In her guilt plea, she mentioned that she delivered her baby in the bathroom of her home in January this year and thereafter wrapped the newborn in her clothing before placing the child in the bin packet on the roadside. Kazulu Natal, National Prosecuting Authority spokesperson Natasha Kara, explains the court judgment. She appeared in court because the matter was set down for sentencing in the matter. She had pleaded guilty in around April and then the matter was set down for sentencing. That's why she appeared in court on Wednesday and the charge was attempted murder. And what has transpired at court, of course, when she appeared? Any new evidence that suffers? Well, actually, no. It was just basically for the sentence. So the court sentenced her, you know, uh, accordingly in in, in uh, relation to her plea. And then, on what condition was her sentence suspended? The uh, the accused was given a suspended sentence of uh, six years, of which uh, which was suspended for a period of five years, on condition that she's not convicted of any offence in which assault or the abuse or, or ill treatment of children is an element in that. Uh, added to that, the fact that she'd have to participate in programs facilitated by the Department of Correctional Services where, you know, participation in community community service as well as undergo counselling and rehabilitation sort of. From the NBA side, I would just like to say that we hope that this sentence does show the community that an, uh, an act of this nature is an offence and, and we will prosecute accordingly.
KwaZulu-Natal National Prosecuting Authority spokesperson Natasha Gara there talking to Newsbreaks from Fundum Tembu. Your thoughts on all of this? Please call us so at 9310-8789. We'll have a discussion about this. Anything you'd like to raise as well? I'm just identifying and highlighting some of the top talking points this week, which you get a chance to let us know your thoughts on anything you'd like to raise. So at 9310-8789. I'm going to go to WhatsApp very quickly. And we've got Sabina Chetty saying, good day. Um, I have lost a... Okay, so we'll try our best, Sabina, to see how we could assist you on that um, issue that you are raising. Um, we'll come back to that one. Zakira from Johannesburg. For me, the topic of possible inclusion of Indian history in the curriculum, Theresha, I sincerely hope it gets the positive nod by the department concerned. That's from Zakira in Johannesburg. Yeah, there's been a lot of progress on that, and we still to speak with the department with regard to um, you know where that process is, but in the public submissions are going to be very key to this. So I hope, Zakira, you get um, you know that conversation started, and everybody listening right now realizes the importance of this, and then makes their submission whether or not they want such a thing included in the curriculum, the history of the Indian um, 1860 indentured labourer, included into the history syllabus of school and if South Africans believe it's viable and feasible enough, they should make submissions and get the process started. Um, and got another text coming through here today. Um, just trying to get to it. Um, some topics suggested here by Anonymous, no name, but medical aid and government hospital differences. Uh, yeah, maybe an uh, investigation to the price differences there would be quite interesting. And also service. I mean, um, I think what was raised recently on the ground was how how much um, of a difference does private healthcare make? You know, are you guaranteed to get that specialized treatment that you actually want? You know, what are the wait times? What are the... Um, you know, the level of service delivery with regard to private healthcare, when you actually do compare them to um, government hospitals, I wonder if that's your point, but uh, you could expand on it and let me know exactly how, what you'd like us to talk about when you talk about medical aid and government hospital differences. Also, the adoption of children coming up is a nice topic that we should be taking forward. Um, always important to bring this kind of, um, you know, um, topic to light. I think taking into account, when we look at the fact that, you know, a very little mother gave birth to a newborn baby and then died dumped the baby in a um, in a bin, you know, and I think if more awareness and knowledge is made available about um, adoption, maybe such a crime could be, you know, averted. And also the issue of crime needs to be high on the agenda. Yes, we shall keep these suggestions in mind. Thank you, Anonymous, so much for reaching out and giving us those topics. Mr. Rajan Rajkumar from Cape Town, and he's saying that um, hashtag Fawziapir Beer's paraffin drink. Now, from now on, everybody must open their own sealed bottle. The alleged poisoning of Fozia beer bears testimony that if you are not wanted by someone, they are prepared to kill you, especially in the political arena. To our acting mayor, don't despair and be distracted. Be resilient and continue with the excellent job you are doing. Get well soon. And that comes from Rajan Rajkumar in Cape Town. Interesting point there. From Mr. Uh, Rajkumar, Isla messages to say, can we reach the panel that met on the 27th to forge career opportunity for the youth? The president, Shamila Butoy and Pravin Gordon were on the panel. Um, this is Mrs. A. Rambaran. 
We'll investigate that one. Not really popping straight into my head as to who facilitated this particular um, career um, opportunity. But yeah, that panel will try and see how best we can provide you information on that, Isla. Thanks for the message. Yeah, so Newsbreak Talk WhatsApp is quite buzzing right now with um, topics that we should be taking forward. Uh, another one that has come through from... Um, Soma Gengen. Hi, Soma. Good to hear from you. Miss you. We need to talk to you again uh, in studio. When I was in school in the 70s, the Padvatan brothers were included in our standard one syllabus. It would be appreciated if that is reintroduced in the cur current curriculum. I mean, I think that's it there, Soma. The call then to make submissions as to why this is needed and what should be included in the curriculum. Um, you know, we spoke to... Um, I think Mr. Bridraj, who said that we should be keeping our ears close to the ground. And I think we must just, you know, keep keep track of this topic to see how best and what are the opportunities and avenues for people like yourself, Soma, to make these submissions and, you know, appeal to the department about what is important and why it should be um, in incorporated in the syllabus. Uh, this is Vasi David of Johannesburg. I pray that we get more security and privacy in hospital for the doctor and nurse. The crime is uh, is getting bad to worse. And the lady that did that to the baby, there's a lot of precautions out there. That's Vasi David giving us a bit of a wrap on her thoughts on some of the issues that we have um, raised. Great message here from Soma. Always great listening to you on Newsbreak. Thanks so much, Soma. Always great having you make contributions to our program. Keep it coming. Let's go to the phone lines now. Let's say hello to Selvin because he's also calling us today. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. Hi, Selvin. Hi, good afternoon to you, Tavish. Open talk. I nearly missed the open talk. I yeah. Tavish. Thank you, once again. But this is a very important issue I watch on TV. Johannesburg, Gauteng, has got uh, undercover cops, and they've got 127 criminals. You know, Thomas? Yeah, listening to you. I'm taking notes. Right. What I'm basically <laughs> saying is, very quickly, Thomas, I'm saying, why can't I have that in case of them? Here we are. We have our deputy mayor who has been <laughs> poisoned. Now, I was specially victimized day before yesterday by a political party member. He said... There's only two million of y'all here. We're going to ensure that we sort it out. So we need this Ubuntu. We need the solidarity. Who's doing it? South Africa is run on a court of law. So I think we need to take the Itaquani municipality to court and let them clean up the area. And why can't KZN have these uh, undercover cops as well and clean up uh, criminals? I don't want to take up the time. Let's give others a chance. But the main issue is Gauteng is successful. Do it in uh, Itaquani. Thank you, sir. Selvin, thanks so much for that. We'll keep that on the agenda. And if you'd love to contribute to what Selvin is raising, and if you've had experience in this regard, please give us a call. Keep the conversation going today. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about um, another particularly interesting issue that has popped up. Um, it, it popped up last week. And in fact, I did want to um, you know, dissect that in its complete entirety today, but weren't, was not able to from a scheduling perspective. But it's a topic that's going to get you particularly um, interested in. I am going to be talking to the Department of Transport about it. What am I alluding to? Well, I'm alluding to this issue of scholar transport. Who governs it? How do you monitor it? What are the precautionary measures um, that one could take? Because in KwaZulu-Natal, most recently, a learner gave birth to a child 
off a scholar transport driver after she was repeatedly raped. Now, how do you go about regulating an issue like this? Well, we're going to talk to the Department of Transport in a short while, try and get you some answers. So it's Newsbreak Talk with me, Taresh, and we are going to be uh, taking the conversation forward. Now, parents have been warned to screen scholar transporters known as Omalume to ensure safety of their children. This after a 14-year-old girl fell pregnant after allegedly being repeatedly raped by Lyft Club driver in Amanzim Toti, south of Durban. It's alleged that the victim didn't report the matter, and it was only known that she became pregnant um, that the matter became public. Fanele Mklongo reports. Majority of parents and guardians who want to take their children to their schools of choice rely on private scholar transport or omalome for their children's transport to and from school. The transport mode is privately owned. Operators are required to have permits issued by transport department. In 2009, the Justice Department implemented the National Register for Sex Offenders, NSRO, which aims to curb the prevalence of sexual offenses in South Africa and stop the spate of incidents against children and mentally disabled people. The list helps with protection by ensuring that the names of sex offenders are registered to prevent them from working with groups like children and the disabled. The register gives employers in the public or private sectors such as schools, churches and hospitals the right to check that the person being hired is fit to work with children or mentally disabled people. But despite these interventions, a 14-year-old girl fell pregnant after allegedly being repeatedly read by Lyft Club driver. She has since given birth to a baby. Her mother, who can't be identified to protect the teenager, has called on parents to screen people who transport their children. Parents need to talk to their children. In most cases, we take our children to Umalume in the afternoon. We come back from work tired. At the end of the day, children fall pregnant. And you discover very late that the child is impregnated by Umalume, a person that you trusted. Taxi owners need to screen the people that they hire and have a background of the drivers so that they can avoid hiring any person. This term, she did not write. I'm just warning any parent that our children are not safe. KwaZulu Natal School Governing Bodies Chairperson Zwile Zulu shares the same sentiments. They ensure that that person is the right person and there is a mature person, a good driver, is a good parent himself. There's a history of uh, doing things well in the community or in the transport industry. Uh, so that they ensure that they have the right person. Uh, they do referencing, they must do referencing where it's necessary to check if that person has a good record or not, uh, like they do when they employ a domestic worker. KwaZulu Natal Education Department spokesperson Mose Matambi has encouraged parents to do background checks on people who come into contact with their children. Our observation is that uh, most of the time, uh, parents, they rely on uh, reference by other parents to then say, uh, this particular person uh, is, is transporting my, my, my learner. And the only 
time that they meet is at, at, at the bank where there is a transaction of the, the, the monthly premium. But they never had to, to see the person that is, is uh, charged with such a, a critical responsibility. So well, as you know, our parents always do a, a background check of uh, uh, such people. Thanele Mplongo with that report, a 14-year-old girl fell pregnant after she um, was allegedly repeatedly raped by a lift club driver in a Manzim Toti south of Durban. And it's put into the spotlight an issue we've spoken about before. We've done a talk show on it previously and what emerged in that talk show. And uh, and, and, and I think it's, it's, it's being highlighted through this particular uh, story in this case here, is that there's not too much of a regulation with regard to private lift club drivers. I know they squalid transport as designated and controlled by the Department of Transport and that uh, so by the Department of Basic Education. And that is quite controlled. Um, you know, there's accountability there. But with these, as they refer to in many communities, referred to as the Omalume, um, how do you govern that? How do you control that? And what is the safety standard of your child? What is the safety standard of uh, adhering to the rules of the road? Um, What is the safety standard with regard to not um, overloading those vehicles? Is the vehicle road worthy? You know, what happens in an instance of crime? What happens in an instance of of, of a motor vehicle accident? You know, who governs that? What is the um, standard operating procedure with regard to this? Not much is known. So let's take that conversation forward. I'm very happy to be joined and thankful as well to be joined on the line by Mulekim Tungwa. He's representing the Department of Transport in Kazulin Natal. He's the spokesperson there. Muleki, thanks for your time. Nuleki, I mean, you've heard the situation that we're talking about and that we're reporting on today. There seems to be this concern about a lack of, um, you know, accountability or lack of, um, you know, oversight with regard to private transport operators for scholars. Um, Your thoughts on this in terms of an actual oversight, is there any way to govern and monitor the way these scholar transport private ones operate? Thanks. Uh, first of all, we'd like to convey our words of uh, sympathy to the senior old girl uh, uh, who was uh, uh, As the Department of Transport, we have to improve the safety of, of learners stolen from schools. Nuleki, really battling to to hear you there. We seem to have a terrible line. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you again. Hopefully, we get a better line with you, um, and we'll take this conversation forward. I mean, you've got so much of important points to raise. Um, well, back after this, we'll try and get Muleki on a better line. Yes, we were talking about uh, private scholar transport, and we had Muleki Mtunga from the Department of Transport talking to us. Muleki, I hope you've got a better line now. No, no, thanks. Uh, yeah. Well, I was saying that, uh, firstly, as the Department of Transport, we would like to convey our words of uh, sympathy to the 14-year-old uh, learner. Uh, well, as the Department of Transport in Wazulinatad, we've done three things uh, to prevent uh, such incidents from occurring in the future. One, we have issued new regulations uh, for learner transport which says that a person who transports a learner to school will have to be screened uh, so that we ensure that he doesn't have a criminal record. So service providers must ensure that people who are transporting learners to school 
arrests have no criminal record. So we believe this will go a long way towards uh, protecting uh, learners uh, who are uh, uh, traveling to and from school. Secondly, uh, we have issued operating licenses to all uh, uh, private uh, uh, learner transport operators uh, who are also known as Omalumen. Uh, what, we are, what we are saying in these operating licenses is that learners must be transported in a safe um, uh, vehicle to and from school. They must not be transported in parkies because parkies are not meant uh, uh, to transport uh, uh, human beings for profit. So that is what we are saying as a department. But thirdly, we have also uh, proposed some amendments into the National Land Transport Act. Act, uh, which these, amend- these amendments entail uh, ensuring that uh, 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 within, the, within the scholar transport, over and above the driver, there must be someone who is going to supervise uh, learners uh, who are traveling to and from school. So these are the three uh, key uh, uh, measures that we are introducing to ensure that learners are safe when they, when they are traveling to and from school. Mm. Now, I want to talk about two of them. You say regulations um, by the Department of Transport to screen for criminal records and I think just an overall screening process. Um, I want to know who does this sort of screening and if you find that somebody is unsuitable, what is the confirmed way to ensure that they don't operate? How do you ensure that? Sorry, uh, Kamal, can you repeat your question? I was talking about the screening processes now uh, and the regulations that the Department of Transport has. Who does the screening? And if you find that a person should not be operating as a Omalume or a transport, uh, squalid transport Mm -hmm. provider, how do you enforce it? How do you ensure that they don't and that they comply? Well, the screening will be done by the police. So the service providers will ensure that they take their drivers uh, to the nearest police station for fingerprints to be taken before they are accepted into this program. If uh, uh, operators are not uh, complying, we are having, uh, um, we are monitoring uh, the program on a regular basis to ensure that there is compliance with the law. Uh, Apart from ensuring the safety of learners, we are also ensuring that these uh, vehicles are roadworthy, so roadworthy uh, inspections are conducted on a regular basis to ensure that learners travel in road safety uh, uh, transport. Yeah, and, and that leads me to the next point then on operating licenses. You said Department of Transport is providing the oper- the process to get the operating licenses for the Omalume or the uh, scholar transporters. Um, mm. Talk to me about that process because if they don't have a license, they're still operating. And how then, again, do you police that or ensure that they don't? Uh, well, Omalume will now be operating like uh, your normal tax operators. Uh, if you are a taxi operator, you are not allowed to operate without a, a permit or an operating license. So our law enforcement officers, your RTI and uh, municipal uh, traffic officers, will ensure that law enforcement is done uh, to ensure that the vehicles that the learners are using are safe, but also to ensure that those who are uh, operating uh, in this space uh, are certified by the department to do so. You know, you talk about that and it's going to be regulated as is the taxi industry. And, um, you know, 
I mean, we've seen problems in the regulation of that uh, particular taxi industry. Um, I'm not going to go into that because that's a talk show on its own, right? And I think that's when you, when we get you guys into studio, then we can dissect that. But what I want to put forward at this stage to you is when I did this conversation about scholar transport a couple of months ago, and I wanted to speak to a organized, uniformed body that oversaw the way these scholar transports operate, I wasn't really able to find an association like a taxi association or a concerned group of citizens coming together to um, oversee the, the operation. So my question is, what kind of oversight exists now to oversee the Omalume? Uh, Sorry, Tarasha, according to a question. Yeah, no, uh, what I'm saying is, you know, it's not so clear as to, if you look at it from a taxi perspective, right? There's mm. several taxi organizations and associations that oversee and they speak on best practice. They intervene. They manage taxi issues. There doesn't seem to be one for the Omalume right now or for uh, private scholar transport. So my question is, isn't this worrying? And then how then do you create this? You mean how are you going to oversee the Omalum? Yeah, like a, like a, like a, like how you have a taxi association that oversees specific areas. Is there an association overseeing scholar transport? Oh, uh, as I've indicated that we have just issued uh, Omalum with uh, uh, operating licenses. They will be attached to uh, local taxi association in their respective areas. So that is how uh, uh, monitoring. Uh, will be done through uh, Santaco, which we have a very good uh, relationship uh, within the province. Okay, that's that's good information. I think that's who we'll need to speak with next. Before you leave us, Mruleki, let's talk about the parents now, because while you've got this going on, you've got regulations from the transport department, you've got operating license and, and, and amendments that you're proposing um, to oversee the process. It is still the semi-uninformed parent on the ground that entrusts their learners and their children um, to the Omalume and to the private transport authorities. What is your advice to them on how to select one and if they have a problem, what to do? Uh, what we always uh, uh, recommend I mean, to parents or what we always emphasize as a department is that uh, when learners are being transported, uh, by uh, private uh, scholar transport operators. Parents must ensure, they must play their part in ensuring that learners are transported in a safe and secure uh, vehicle. So we are calling for a close co cooperation between parents, uh, the local uh, tax association, since now Omalu will be attached to local associations in the area, so that uh, we ensure that uh, I mean, the safety of the learners is, is not only the responsibility of government or the local taxi association, but also of the, the parents themselves must play a critical role uh, in this regard. Thank you for your time. The Mnulekim Tungwa joining us from the Department of Transport, and we hope to take the conversation forward with you. And I think MEC at a point to bring bring more uh, clarity and more light on the issue. Thanks so much for that. Well, there you go. I think some interesting information about the oversight and the um, you know monitoring there of um, the entire system. On that note, something semi-related, officials have closed down two daycare centers in Sophia Town in Johannesburg for not meeting health and safety regulations. The MMC Mpo 
Paklatse um, led an interdepartmental team to conduct raids in the Sophia town and West Dean area to find illegally run crashes. This comes after two children died from suspected poisoning at an illegally at an illegal center in that area earlier this month, Noma Bolani reports. Preschoolers at Rainbow World in Newlands are happily singing in class. Their school is kitted out with proper infrastructure and furniture according to the legal requirements. The facility even boasts a little petting zoo with chickens, ducks and bunny rabbits which the children rarely play with. These scenes are stark opposite of the scenes at the illegal crash in nearby Sophia Town. The children are overcrowded and cramped in their makeshift classrooms. The owners have converted their residential home into a daycare centre. But they have not followed the municipal bylaws to ensure the health and safety of the children and teachers. Leonard Ikedashi's crash was shut down due to overcrowding and failure to meet fire safety standards. Here he's speaking to Health and Social Development MMC Paul Palazzi. So you've been running this for two years now? Yes. And you're only now starting with the compliance process? Well, I've been doing gradually. I've done the basic ones, registering it as a business. Okay. Then uh, after I've, I've found them on the internet, and I started to bring them, I know what exactly to do. Then I'm lacking, so I'll be updated fully. So yes. you, so the only thing you've done is register it as a business? I've gone to school for the certificates as well. Oh, you've, you've trained as yes, a ECD practitioner? Yes, Okay. Yes. Okay, yes. okay. Uh, and in terms of setting it up, did you get any assistance, any guidance? No, I have not, yes. Uh, uh, yes. How many children are you seeing? We have uh, 42. 42 children? Yes, yes. From the area, from this area? Yes. The owners of the second centre that was shut down, also in Sophia Town, were not on site during the raid. The property's yard resembled a construction site, but was littered with play instruments such as jungle gyms and a swing. Through the window, colourful kiddies' tables and chairs were stacked inside. The raiding team believes the owners caught wind of the raid and packed up before the officials arrived. Palazzi says parents will be notified and given a month to find alternative childcare centres. It is risky because anything can happen in that month. But ordinarily we would allow about a month so that the parents have an opportunity to find alternative um, early childhood facilities and also um, just to also take into consideration the fact that they would have already paid for for the current month. So we do give them a bit of space to find alternatives. We do also recommend other alternative questions in the area because we do have a database of those that we're working with that are in, in a better state than the ones that have to shut down. Palati says the interests of the children take priority and the aim is not to shut down business. That's why non-complying facilities are offered assistance in getting their house in order. Where we have a facility that's not 100% compliant, but children are safe and you know they adhere to, to health and hygiene standards, that facility we can work with them and help them towards compliance. But if we have a facility which has zero compliance, children are unsafe, you know, they do not adhere to health and hygiene standards, that facility we will unfortunately have to close down and work with them towards compliance if they're interested in, in doing it the right way. The fact that illegal crashes are filled with children shows that parents are desperate for affordable child-minding facilities. Even though the daycare centers do not meet the legal standards, many of the parents have no choice but to enroll their children in these centers because they are cheaper. I'm Norma Polani in Johannesburg.
So there you go. I think also the issue of illegal crashes operating and the kind of safety standards there, the kind of the attention and the kind of treatment your child would get from a fly-by-night, let's call it that, a fly-by-night crash, uh, maybe one local one up the road in the area, you know, what kind of what kind of screening goes into this? How do you regulate it? How do you ensure that you leave your child in safe hands? Um, that's also another issue of great contention there. You can tell me your thoughts on it. I also want to talk about Sadia Sukraj, some interesting developments there on that case, finally been, um, I think, put to rest there. So we'll talk about it. But before we do that, let's go to the phone lines. Mrs. Governor is on the line. Hello, Mrs. Governor. Good afternoon to you and your team. Um, thank you for this program. Suresh, uh, the thing is, very, uh, everything is mandated how a crash should be run and how a driver should uh, uh, proceed and carry on in his job, right? right? Starting right from the very cleaner in that premises to the uh, director or principal of a crash, I think all these people should go to a compliance of certificate to... Um, be in that premises. The very toys that they use, like funny toys and all, all should be, uh, you know, thrown away. And uh, these are very many things if you have to look into how they transmit a lot of bacteria. Uh, what I'm coming to mainly now is the drivers. If a driver uh, has been found, um, you know, misbehaving and, and abusing children, his driver's license must be taken away for life. And I think without any prior training to be with children and the governing body, and I think the education department also should have a hand in this, that they should be registered uh, drivers via their education department. So every now and then they can just come inspectors and check on these, how are they operating they can be stopped any time of day and anywhere, and then they have to produce. And why many of the parents in rural areas keep quiet about their child being pregnant? Because they get a kickback whoever has fathered that child. They don't really, really report every pregnancy. You, you're just hearing now and then. And the area where I live, it is so pathetic. The many schoolgirls that I see walking on the road with their school bags, school uniform, being pregnant. They should not be pushing prams and carrying a baby bottle. They should be carrying their books and pen in their hands. We'll leave it there with you, Mrs. Governor. Thanks for those suggestions. We appreciate it. Let's go to Mr. Louis Pillay on the line. Hello, Mr. Pillay. Uh, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to the listeners. I'm just stemming out of what Mrs. Governor was saying. I think, you know, the SGBs, control the school, they should also control the transport of the children of the same school. They should give them okay and they give them permission to say which taxis must run for that school. I think that will that must come between the school management and the SGBs. But if we talk about the Department of Education, they actually stop the buses for differently able children. And that's a big burden on the, on, on the parents as well. So I think, you know, we've got to look at it from the education point of view. And the education department must take this forward. And the schools must also take it forward with the governing body and school management of transport. Thank you.
Thanks so much for that, Mr. Pillay. I think definitely something for follow-up here. We must take it forward. Well, the 39-year-old man found guilty of the murder of 9-year-old Sadia Sukraj will spend the rest of his life in jail. This follows his two life sentences in the High Court in Durban. Judge Esther Stein gave Sibonelo Mkhize 15 years in prison for robbery and two life sentences for two counts of murder. But Mkhize, whose accomplice was Siabonga Bulose, was, has indicated that he intends to apply for leave to appeal. The case relates to a hijacking in Shalcross in Chatsworth, south of Durban, in May last year. Sadia's father, Shilendra Sukraj, shot at the vehicle in an effort to save his daughter. The bullets instead killed both Sadia and um, Bulose. Prabhashini Mudli reports. Emotional members of the Sukraj family shed tears after losing their young daughter through such an act of criminality. Explaining why she handed down life sentences, Judge Esther Stain said the robbery was committed at gunpoint. She conceded that she knew that the sentences would not bring back the little girl. Judge Stain said Sadia was described as a little girl who had dreams and was exceptionally talented. She said the robbery was brazen and took place in broad daylight near a school. The robbery was committed at gunpoint and that the complainant in count one was not only dispossessed of a motor vehicle, but that the Sukharash family on this day was also robbed of a beautiful and talented young daughter. There is no doubt that this young girl died a cruel death on that morning and must have been terrified during her last moments because the vehicle was colliding with various other vehicles and it was driving at high speed. This is how Judge Stain handed down the sentences. Inasmuch as the death of the two deceased was not desired, it was foreseen and you have reconciled yourself. Having considered all of the facts, I'm of the view that the following sentences are appropriate. On count one, Mr. McKees, you're sentenced to 15 years' imprisonment. Count two, life imprisonment. Count three, life imprisonment. The families of both the deceased, that is the Sukharaj family, as well as the Blose family, are hereby informed of their rights in terms of Section 299A regarding the parole, Shilendra Sukraj thanked the South African public for the support they offered his family throughout the trial over the murder of his daughter, Sadia. He spoke briefly to the media after the sentences were handed down. Sukraj, his wife Lorraine and other members of the family were seen very emotional when the sentences were being handed down. Sukraj says while the sentence will not bring back his daughter, it will offer some consolation to the family. I do want to thank the investigating officer for his brilliant detective work. I also want to thank Officer Raghunandan for his uh, sterling effort and also the prosecutor for his remarkable effort. Last but not least, I also want to thank the public for their unwavering support. Thank you. Members of the public have taken to social media to welcome the judgment. For SABC News, I'm Prabhashni Mudli at the Durban High Court.
It's very close to your heart, the story, and I know a lot of discussions we had about it, a lot of sentiment expressed here by you. We went to the scene so many times to talk about crime in the area. So I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Uh, and got a text from Fiona. Why 15 years for killing the other murderer? Surely his death was the only benefit of the whole ugly business. That's from Fiona. And I'll remind you, the 39-year-old man, he was found guilty of the murder of 9-year-old Sadia Sukraj, will spend the rest of his life in jail. This follows his two life sentences in the High Court in Durban. Judge Esther Sten then also gave Sibonelo Mkize 15 years in prison for robbery and two life sentences for two counts of murder. So that was the um, one of the top stories this week. So you can also tell me your thoughts on that when we go to WhatsApp. Fiona also texted us to tell us her thoughts. Um, staying on WhatsApp now, Julie Naidu from Peter Maritzburg here. Each city has its bylaws and it's not used because of lazy officials. That's why buildings are illegally built. Um, Julie Naidu, they're talking to us about... Um, Bylaws are not being enforced. Vasi David of Johannesburg, I agree that schools and the parent bodies must take precautions um, for their children's transportation because there is a lot of fly-by-night drivers that drive like mad on the roads and their safety is very important. Um, interesting advice coming through there. Um, got a voice note there from um, Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli, just trying to retrieve it and then we'll hear from her. I'll say hello to Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli. Good afternoon, Taresh. While we are happy to note that our acting deputy mayor of Etiquini is now recovering and has a positive attitude going forward, we are proud of her. On the note of Joburg Blitz concerning preschool and creches now that do not comply with safety regulations, how does these institutions get registration completed and accepted? And how do our parents just trust their babies into these people's hands without even scrutinizing them in any way to know that they are worthy of caring for these innocent babies. Thank you, Tarish, Mrs. Nirmala Devi Modli of Ankamas. Thanks so much for that. Yes, I mean, how, you know, it's, it's such a concern then for the parents and the families of young people, for of learners, for entrusting, you know, their families, um, their children to the care of these operators. And you don't know the kind of compliance and the kind of regulatory, um, you know, support you're going to get. Uh, this message, I think, is from Vashni. I would like to know, is it possible that Sasa, the 1351 cards that was cloned in KwaZulu-Natal alone, what is the department doing to stop this? We'll check in with Sasa about uh, cloning of cards there. I think that's one um, for us to take further with Sasa. Thank you so much for that, for raising that with us. So, yeah, keep it coming through. We're very happy to take um, your your sentiment. This text coming through uh, from Anonymous, I think it is, talking about, um, yeah, about the way you're treated. You get treated worse than animals in government hospital. I'm disappointed with the way they handle my sister's situation, who's now late. We waited overnight in the hospital just to get a test result. I mean, we've, you know, canvassed so many horror stories like this on Newsbreak Talk previously, and... Um, I think it's quite challenging to put it constantly put it forward through to department and still have you raise it with us. It's it's, it's you know you wonder what's being done about it. Let's go to Viren Rajdeer from Harinagar in Shell Cross. 
The degradation and the rot that has now permeated South African politics is the fruit of cadre deployment of incompetent people who have made politics an income generation exercise rather than service to the community. The incident with Deputy Mayor is proof enough of opportunism and warped ambition. Zandile Gomede was tainted before she was appointed by her equally tainted ex-president. So much to say, so little time. Thank you, Virian, for um, your contribution today and for helping us... Um, you know, listen to different opinions coming through on it. Uh, a reaction here to Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli. Uh, Hi, Taresh, I agree with Nirmala Devi Mudli. That's from Mila Bansi in Newcastle talking there about, um, you know, the, the risks of entrusting your children. Uh, as well, Vasi David saying she agrees 100% with it. Let's go to a voice note. I hope um, we can hear this one. It's from Ramba. Hi, God's Angel. How are you? You're sounding very good and sad today. But I think that Tigrani Mayor was poisoned because of jealousy. But God's eyes is wide open on her and she will be saved. And for her speech, what she has given, I give a thumbs up. This is Ramba Nagia. Thank you, Taresh. Have a good day. Thanks so much for your voice. No, we really appreciate it. Good to hear from you, Ramba. Uh, yeah, keep it coming through. It's your chance to talk about whatever's close to your heart today. Um, open lines on Newsbreak Talk with me, Tarish. And when we come back, we take more of all of your thoughts and all of the agenda a little bit forward. So we're about to wrap up our conversation. Quickly, we'll go back to WhatsApp for a few more texts that have come through. Um, Logos says, I have observed over the years that many pupils wait for a few hours for their transport after school. Many of these are foundation phase learners. They are hungry and they also are not safe in the interim. It's sad that parents allow their babies to wait so long for transport to go home. That's from, um, I think it's Logos there. Yeah, I think this is a real issue that needs investigation and something, um, that we must definitely, um, take forward. And Vasi David start, uh, she's, yeah, got another text coming through. I pray that the catch whoever's involved in the water uh, incident must be, um, punished and pray she gets well soon. Uh, in everything we do, we must be careful, of course, relating there to the fact that, um, Itakuni Deputy Mayor Fauzi Apir alleges that the water that she was to drink was poisoned. Well, I think that's up. Time is up now, and it was so good to connect with you like this. I love hearing from you and all your thoughts, your opinions, and your suggestions. It's just so much of information and so much of advice, I think, um, from the community, by the community, through the community, and it's quite in informative to sit here and canvas that. So thank you so much for that, and we look forward to taking all your concerns forward in our subsequent broadcasts. The broadcast today came your way courtesy of the team, executive producer Salma Patel and Rachel Vadi. We again broadcasting tomorrow between one and two o'clock it's an interesting time we'll talk about the modernization of the family unit at the 1860 heritage center please come and say hello it's going to be a nice family day there you can um relax a little bit chill with the family and of course contribute to Newsbreak talk when we talk about how have you as a family system uh, modernized what are the modern things that you do now compared to the way it used to be done from the things you eat to the way you speak to the way you dress to the things you do to entertain yourselves let's talk about the way it was and the way it is now also on that note getting information that uh, former liberation fighter Kurshid Jinwala has passed away so we'll keep you posted on that so from me Taresh hey have an awesome day